And now, from the gleaming spires of Chicago, broadcasting across the multiverse, from the heights of Hlidskjalf to the depths of Niflheim, from the MCU to the DCU, from the slopes of Mount Olympus and beyond, you are tuned to the immortal sounds of Radio Free Asgard. And hello, everybody. Welcome to Radio Free Asgard. This is episode number 330. We're coming at you, as we always do, from beautiful Chicago, Illinois. My name is Tom Harris. Welcome along to the show. And uh, yeah, so it's fall and the beginning of a new fiscal year, and it's attendant overtime. Yeah, this is why we're publishing a little bit less often than normal at the moment. Uh, the, the, keep in mind that it's temporary. At least I, I think it's temporary. Um, it is kind of nice to have those uh, two weeks to make a show, but yeah, now eventually we'll go back to being once a week again, but right now is not the time. You know, it's fall, new fiscal year, and now audit season. Yeah, for the next couple of months probably. So yeah, I'll, I'll let you guys know when we start going back, or maybe I won't. Maybe we'll just go back to weekly and nobody will even notice. Um, anyway, so uh, we don't have a lot to talk about here at the top of the show, uh, so let's just go ahead and move along to our review. Cross the rainbow bridge of Asgard, where the booming heavens roar. You behold in breathless wonder the God of Thunder, mighty Lord. Indeed, and as promised this week, we are looking at the mighty Thor number 12. This was published in 2016. Uh, looks like uh, Russ Dowderman and Matthew Wilson did the cover. Cover art shows Mjolnir coming right at you. Uh, yeah, it's right in your face and kind of in the blurry background have a, a glimpse of, of girl Thor. Obviously, she's the one who's whacking you with the hammer. Uh, yeah, so just kind of a big blue block on the cover as Mjolnir smacks us in the face. And we open up to the opening page where we have a little bit of the summary here. Jane Foster's life changed forever when she lifted Mjolnir and became the mighty Thor. Not only has the hammer served her well in battle, but the power it grants her keeps her sickness at bay. Recently, Mjolnir manifested itself in Jane's image, protecting Jane's secret identity from those who would do her harm. Unwieldy though it may be, it goes without saying that Mjolnir is no ordinary weapon. The Untold Origin of Mjolnir comes to you courtesy of Jason Aaron Ryder, Russ Dowderman, who was the artist of the present-day sequences. Matthew Wilson is the color artist of the present-day sequences. Fraser Irving is the artist and colorist of the old Asgard sequences. VC's Joe Sabino was a letterer and production Russell Dodderman and Matthew Wilson did the cover, as I mentioned. Charles Beecham was the assistant editor. Will Moss is the editor. Tom Brevoort is the executive editor. Axel Alonzo is the editor-in-chief. Joe Casada was the chief creative officer. Dan Buckley is the publisher. And Alan Fine was the executive producer. Thor was created by Jack Kirby, Larry Lieber, and Stanley. Not necessarily in that order. And we move along to the beginning of the story where we are in... The distant reaches of space, it says, and we're in sort of a 
not a Kirby space, no, more of a realistic space. And there's a, a crack sound effect and a bunch of lightning coming out as Thor, that is uh, Jane Foster, female Thor, has erupted from apparently some sort of a weird Stargate sort of thing. And she's going, Wow, what just, where are we? And she goes slamming into a giant roof or building. Uh, it's basically, it's a, a roof with a boom and it falls down through the ceiling of a giant building. And it appears to be a library. Library. Yeah, um, we've seen this building before in Thor, God of Thunder. So this is the... Uh, the, the uh, Halls of the All-Knowing, I believe it's called. And Thor is kind of crashed through the ceiling and is laying on the uh, the floor. And she's like, a library? Why are we in a library? And a voice comes from above her. I'd think the answer would be obvious. You're a Thor, which means you're ignorant. Too ignorant to use the door, obviously. And there is no greater cure for ignorance in all the cosmos than the halls of all-knowing. Halls of zones. I'm sorry about your wall. This Ymir's bones. What is this place? If you have to ask that, dear, you probably should not be here. And uh, we see, the, of course, it's the librarians, so this kind of fairy-winged dude who's uh, he's not little like a you know, fairy would be. He's like a full-size person with these big old like dragonfly butterfly fairy wing sorts of things and yeah he has that slightly abrasive personality that we're used to seeing and we have a full page and kind of looking at the the library and the the surrounding area and we have the old man is uh narrating here this is the heaven of heavens in the center of infinity home to the parliament of pantheons and the high holy court Built four billion years ago by the first of the Elder Gods is a place of divine fellowship and governance. This is Omnipotent City, the nexus of all the gods. I never knew there were so many gods. And more of them popping up every day, it would seem. And you are the god of librarians? I am the Lord High Librarian of the Halls of All-Knowing. Your predecessor was an occasional visitor to these halls, the reading was never exactly his fort, was it? Tell me, girl, why are you here? I do not know. The hammer brought me. The hammer? I know it sounds insane, but I believe there is a chance that Mjolnir here is actually alive. And Mjolnir is glowing in the presence of the librarian, and he's kind of staring intently at it. And he goes, uh, <laughs> follow me. And he goes floating off down the corridor, and Thor is right behind him. And they're they're passing through all these bookshelves, and they the the bookshelves have all these very fancily bound books, and some of them look like they're bound in animal skin or uh, you know, mostly just kind of old leather. Some of them are just like uh, papyrus scrolls, and there's kind of a, a variety of of interesting looking uh, bindings and that kind of thing. Many different tales have been told about that hammer of yours came to be. Some say Odin had it forged as a gift for his young son. Others say the Allfather wielded the hammer himself many centuries before Thor was even born. The tales are always mentioned in the dwarven forges and the mystical enchantments and the unbreakable Uru. 
But one very important element of the Hammer's story has been forgotten. And he floats up to uh, a shelf here in the library, and he pulls out this big, huge book. And the uh, book has a, uh, a, the image of, of Mjolnir uh, on the cover of it. Uh, not unlike the Mjolnir that appears actually in the, uh, the cover for this uh, episode. He opens up the book, and there's lots of dust coming off it because obviously nobody's touched this book for a while. We find out what element of the Hammer story has been forgotten. The storm. Storm? What storm? The story began eons ago, as most stories about the gods usually do, with bloodshed and war. And we shift scenes here uh, to the past, and now the art has changed. Uh, As we know, we have a different artist for this segment. And we have a full page here, and it looks like uh, Ulick the Troll, or somebody very like Ulick, um, fighting against Odin. And Odin is here with his uh, very very Loki-looking helmet with the kind of... <laughs> the style of the of the helmet is very much like Loki's classic helmet with the big, huge uh, curling horns coming out of it. And uh, Odin is uh, wielding a glowing sword. And he's... Uh, yeah, they're, they're making war on each other. And there's other trolls in the background. Looks like there's some uh, other gods nearby. And yeah, so... Lots of fighting going on here, uh, but basically it looks like a duel between this troll and uh, the All-Father. A young warlord named Ulek had united the clans of rock trolls and invaded Nidaveller, the realm of the dwarves. Battle raged throughout the Scornheim Mountains until All-Father Odin arrived, leading the armies of Asgard. It wasn't that the All-Father had any great love for dwarves, though he did have tremendous affection for the killing of trolls. Odin made war because he knew the dwarves' mines and forges were of vital importance to all the ten realms. The battle was swift and brutal, and quite decisive. And we show Odin back in Asgard on his throne, and there's a a visitor here, I believe it's one of the dwarves. Looks kind of your typical D&D dwarf sort of thing. And the, uh, his, uh, this dwarf has come to Odin's uh, throne, and he's saying, The trolls have retreated back into their slop holes, Lord Odin. Nidaveller belongs once more to the sons of Ivaldi. Then feel free to return there, Master Dwarf. Not without first bestowing upon you a gift, your magnificence, a token of our appreciation. And they uh, have a, a series of, of dwarves, six of them, almost identical from the looks of it. And they bring a, uh, a giant rock. Well, not a giant rock, but a, a large rock. And it's like on a table. And it's sort of an opalescent rock with this weird kind of glow about it. Uh, iridescent, I would call it, from, from the art. And a symbol of the unbreakable bond that has been built between the dwarves and the gods. It was a nugget of raw uru. The rarest, most mystical metal in all the realms, mined from deep beneath the mountains of Nidavella, virtually unbreakable, it was said, unsmeltable even, so strong not even the furnaces of the dwarves could melt it. Odin greeted the gift with the expected courtesy. A rock. I save their tiny, straggly, bearded lives, and they bring me a rock. Such a fitting gift, sons of Nidavella. Whenever I look upon this small and utterly useless thing, I will be reminded of dwarves. And we shift scenes, and we're kind of a 
spacescape here, more Kirby space-ish. Uh, we have the, the uh, you know, planets, and then we have the flying sharks. Remember the flying sharks from the Thor God of Thunder run? And uh, yeah, so there's kind of a bunch of stuff going on here. And it looks like a distant storm, you know, how the, uh, you know, like a thunderstorm that's really far away and there's lightning and it kind of illuminates the clouds and looks really cool. That's kind of the effect that we have going on here. Shamsheduru was a vestige of the earliest of days, rubble from the rock of creation itself. Very few things have ever endured that long. The storm was one of them. It began with the first wind that ever howled down out of the void, and it had been growing in size and fury with each subsequent eon. They called it the God Tempest, the Mother of Thunder. You always knew it was coming when even the space sharks fled in terror, but by then it was already too late. Its wind blew comets off course, ripped worlds from their orbit, and snuffed out stars like flickering candles. Its lightning left clouds of dust where once were moons. Its thunder made even black holes tremble. We get more of this sort of stormy imagery, and we see planets being pulverized, and yeah, so lots of destruction going on because of the storm. It was a cosmic thunderstorm the size of a galaxy, one that had been raging since the beginning of time, but it was more than that as well. The worst of its wrath was reserved only for those who truly deserved it, it was said, a storm that passed judgment, almost as if, as if it had a mind of its own. A sentient superstorm, and one day, as it happened, that storm's judgment came even for the gods. And we have a double-page spread here of the storm, and it's, it's heading towards Asgard, and it's on this island, and kind of heading up the Rainbow Bridge, and it looks like there's uh, you know, rain just kind of whipping down, and Odin is standing there, and the, the gods are all ru are running around here and there, but... but Odin is just kind of standing there in front of it and uh, trying to communicate with it from the looks of it. The gods of Asgard had faced trolls and dragons and demons of fire and all manner of giants, but they had never fought a storm. How does one kill a hurricane that consumes planets? To begin with, it helps to be the Allfather. And uh, Odin is standing here with his staff in hand and the staff is glowing on the end and uh, Odin is shouting at the storm. You call this a storm? Odin bathes in fiercer maelstroms. Odin's snores are louder than this mediocre thunder. Come, little Gale. The Allfather of Asgard will show you the fury of a thousand storms. And the caption says, They battled for many days, the god Tempest and the god of gods. And yeah, it looks like uh, Odin is, is trying to punch the storm, uh, which apparently does some good. I don't know, but that's what it looks like he's doing. Uh, you have his eye glowing and uh, generally you know, being a badass. And you see him being buffeted around by the storm, but he's also uh, you know, kind of fighting against it. And you can see it's a, it's a real struggle. And you get, get a whole page here of of Odin fighting against the uh, the storm using his magic. And, and it looks like he's trying to wrestle it, which is kind of interesting. But anyway. Hail fell like a blizzard of daggers. Odin's spear pierced the sky and his roars cracked the rainbow bridge. Rain gushed like blood. But there was still no end of the winds. 
or to the mind-staggering power of the Odin force. Yet even the mightiest of storms must eventually grow tired, and when the old father could sense his opponent weakening, he struck with his almighty might. We see the, the storm appears to have dissipated, and Asgard looks very serene now, floating here in space, and the storm appears to be gone. And uh, somebody comes up, one of the guards comes up to Odin, he's like, Lord Odin, it is done says Odin, and this is a younger, thinner Odin. I mean, he's looking very thin indeed. Uh, <laughs> Otherwise, he looks exactly the same. And it says, The old father had trapped the storm inside the Uru, though what dark and primal magic even he could not say, though he knew exactly what to do next. And we shift scenes, and we are back in Nidaveller, and uh, Odin has brought back the, uh, the chunk of Uru, he goes, Master Dwarf, you once brought me a gift. I have brought it back. The rumors are true, says one of the dwarves. The mother storm trapped in the Uru. You, you want us to kill it for you, Lord Odin? Don't be a fool, says Odin. I want you to forge it. Such power will be mine to wield. Make me a weapon, dwarves, or the next time the trolls invade your realm... You can fight them yourselves. And the uh, dwarves look a little bit put out by that. They look a little shocked by, uh, yeah, what, what they're seeing here. But it says here that uh, the dwarves stoked their fires for three days until their caves and mountains were melting around them. But still, they could not smelt the Uru. And uh, you see the dwarves, they're trying to, to do just that. And the rocks are melting around them. And uh, yeah, so we got um, you know, them, them really trying to do it. And they're like, heave. So they hooked a star and dragged it into their furnaces. By the morrow, the star was dead. The mountaintops were oozing lava. And the sounds of forging ran out across the realms. Those dwarves who claimed to have been there would later speak in awe of how the metal fought them until the bitter end as if the god Tempest was still raging inside the Uru. For seventeen days the clanging rang like thunder, until every tool in Nidaveller was shattered, and every dwarf exhausted, until the Skornheim mountains themselves began to tremble. But the dwarves are the finest blacksmiths in all the realms, and once they were finished, all would agree. They had forged their greatest creation. And we see uh, a picture of Mjolnir uh, looking very much like we see it today, uh, sitting on a tabletop and uh, glowing and, yeah, looking very, uh, very cool. They delivered the weapon to Odin as promised, though with one caveat, that they would never have to see that damned hammer again. And it looks like they've left it at Odin's feet, and Odin is... Uh, Kind of looking down, uh, can't really tell his expression, but you get the impression that he's smiling at it. So, yeah, Odin's kind of looming over the hammer on the ground, and he says, I name thee Mjolnir, the thunder weapon, first among hammers, the breaker of all things. Come, Mjolnir, let us see what you can... And he reaches out and grabs the hammer, and he raises it up above his head, and it takes off. I mean, he uh, yeah, takes uh, Odin and he's dragging him into the sky 
and bucking like a Bronco and trying to bash him up against the walls and they go crashing through the ceiling. And uh, yeah, so uh, Odin's having a hard time controlling this thing as it kind of whips around and, and smashes things. The dwarves were right. The storm was still raging inside the Uru, and though it had been contained, it refused to be tamed by anyone. And Odin shouting at it, Down, you bloody mallet! Odin commands thee, Take me down or else I'll... And we don't hear what comes next, but we, we kind of cut to some time later, and Odin apparently has managed to wrestle the hammer uh, back to the ground, and it uh, looks like he's casting magic and, and stuff on it. And it says here, Odin's ride had nearly destroyed Asgard. He forbade anyone from ever speaking of it again. The weapon was too unbridled, he swore, too wild and untamed for even the gods. And if it would not be wielded by him, then it could rot for all he cared. So the old father placed enchantments on the hammer that would make it all but impossible for anyone else to ever lift it. And then Mjolnir was left to gather dust in the weapons hall of Asgard. And there it sat for many eons, forgotten, waiting. And we see it sitting on a rock, and there's this glow coming out of the hammer. In the last panel, we see a young hand reaching for the hammer. And it's, uh, it's Thor. It's uh, Thor as a, as a little kid. Then Odin sees him reaching for the hammer, and he's like, Thor, get away from that mallet, boy. But... What is it, father? Worthless. Come, boy. We'll find you a proper weapon. A spear or a great big axe. Why do I feel like it's whispering to me? Thor! I forbid you from ever touching that hammer, do you hear me? Yes, father. Of course, father. I swear, I'll never touch it again. And we uh, shift back to the, uh, the present day. And the librarian and uh, girl Thor sitting here and, the, and Mjolnir sitting on the table glowing, much like it was in the, uh, in the last panel that we saw from the past. And Thor says, So, it is alive? Perhaps it was once, but that was countless eons ago. Not even the greatest of storms could survive that long trapped in Uru. But it spoke to me. It said it chose me. But chose me for what? What am I supposed to? And she picks up the um, a hammer and it drags her away, much like it did to Odin earlier in the story. And it smashes her back out the wall. Uh, it looks like the hole is right next to the hole that she came in on. <laughs> and they are out of there. And the, the uh, librarian looks very, very angry. He's clutching onto the book and trying to keep from being dragged out the hole too. <laughs> Thor is like, I suppose we're leaving. Thank you for enlightening me, and uh, sorry again about the wall. And we cut to the, uh, the librarian, and he's looking kind of sad, and he's like, Poor girl, still so foolish and blind. All tales about gods begin the same, and I'm afraid they end the same as well. In death, death and destruction, and war. So much war. And he's looking at a, a bookshelf, and uh, the big, huge purple book right in from, front of him is called The War of the Realm. To be continued. And that is the Mighty Thor number 12. And we will be talking about that issue right after this message. Uh-huh. 
Hearts Romance Comics podcast, in which four guys talk about romance comics and about romances in comics with Siskoid. We're all uh, French Canadians here. Marty! In horror comics, there's often like this little, you know, <laughs> romance tinge, I guess. Okay. Bass! We oh, just yeah. turned on him! <laughs> and yours truly, Fern. I'm very aroused. Featuring the overproduced wonder that is Romance Comics Theater every episode. Dan, I knew it couldn't last from the first day you eyeballed me when I reported to work. It wouldn't matter if I washed in laundry soap and came to work in a burlap sack. I'd turn you on. And you have the same effect on me. I... I do? The Lonely Hearts Romance Comics Podcast, available on iTunes. We've had a comic book And we're back. So, yeah. Uh, so what do I think of Thor number 12? Well, I'll be honest with you. I kind of like the story. Now... Obviously, if you're a purist and you want to have your story of the, the actual mythology of the story of Atree creating the hammer and Loki being a fly and stinging him and so he you know, isn't quite able to make the handle long enough, etc., etc., then you're not going to like this, this origin of, of Mjolnir. Um, I think there's... Yeah, I mean, again, there's some liberties being taken by Jason Aaron. And it's not, I, I don't like the fact that he does this. And I know I've complained about it in the past. But that being said, the issue is actually, I, I think it's a pretty well-told story. I like the story itself. And I, I kind of like the idea of it. I mean, it goes a, a long way of explaining, okay, why is the hammer acting the way it is for Jane when never acted that way for, uh, for the real Thor? And so it's kind of interesting, uh, you know, what, what he's doing here. I kind of get what he's doing here. But again, once again, I think he's taking a little bit too much liberty of the work, and, and I, I don't like that. I, I think that, that really you should keep your mythology consistent, and the mythology has been consistent up until now. Uh, again, I think that Jason Aaron has this idea that he's better than the material that he's working with. And I don't like that. And, and yeah, and I've complained about it before, and I will continue to do so as I encounter it. Anyhow, uh, artwork uh, generally pretty good. We just have a little bit of Russell Dowderman work in the framing sequence, but by and large, it's good stuff. I mean, it's very solid. We have the, the librarian looking very much like he did in Thor God of Thunder when we had Isak Rebic doing it. So there's a lot of consistency here. The library looks great. Uh, yeah, and it's generally uh, pretty familiar and pretty cool and, and very well drawn. I particularly like the scene where Thor is getting whipped out through the hole uh, in the wall. And uh, we have the, uh, the librarian kind of struggling to keep himself from getting ripped out, too. And his, the way his beard flows, it's very P. Craig Russell. I know I've said that before. There's a lot of Craig Russell influence in this guy's art. And definitely to the benefit of the artwork. I, I think that uh, yeah, Dowderman is, is really uh, a good artist. Um, and, and he's kind of grown on me even more since I started covering this series. Um, the art in the uh, the old sequences, the, the the past, is also really good. Very very different style. It's more. Um, I, I hate. Well, I hate to put it more realistic because I, I don't know that it really is more realistic, but it's definitely uh, a more stylized version of kind of the classic Marvel look. 
We, we have, you know, Asgard on the island, and we have Odin being remarkably consistent. I mean, doesn't even change his clothes once. Uh, but uh, it's not really uh, true to, to Norse mythology sort of looking uh, buildings, and it's more the, the, the Kirby sci-fi, but also in a very down-to-earth kind of way. I think that this this uh, particular creator, he works really well with light and shadow, and we get a lot of that in the battle between Odin and the storm, the, the light sources coming from from particular angles and and glowing and everything looks really cool. He's really good at conveying the opalescence of the Uru metal, and he's also really good at conveying, I think, light in general. I think, think he's really good. Now, that being said, Odin... His face looks very horse-like and not, uh, yeah, not like Odin. Odin is off-model, and I I recognize that it's supposed to be eons and eons ago. But come on, Odin needs to look like Odin. And I understand that he's trying not to make him look too Santa-like, and I I appreciate that, as everybody knows. I definitely get the idea that he's not brilliant at, at faces, for the most part. The dwarves, they kind of all look the same. They've got the same facial features exactly. They just have different hair. And, you know, maybe their beard is a little bit different. So, yeah, I mean, I think he's a little bit limited in the kinds of, of faces he can draw. But I think that he does so well with the uh, the way uh, the lighting is. And, and you know, the, he works really well with shadows and glows and that kind of thing. There's really not a lot of detail in his backgrounds at all. But I think that he really makes up for that by the fact that you know he's so good with you know the uh, the lighting effects that it really doesn't matter, and and I think that I really like this guy's work a lot. So so well done. I think that you know this overall the the artwork for this issue, both in the new and old sequences, is is a real winner. So overall, like the issue. Don't like some of the things that Aaron is doing with the mythology, but you know, hey, I can't control it. So you know, just basically. I call it like I see it. Once again, folks, thanks very much for listening. We really do appreciate it. And of course, if you want to email the show, you can certainly do so. The email address is radiofreeasgard at gmail.com. You can also find us over on the Facebooks. Just look for Radio Free Asgard there, and you will find us. With that, I am back over the Rainbow Bridge, back to Midgard, and we'll see you next time here on Radio Free Asgard. Radio Free Asgard is copyright Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The characters, stories, and situations presented on this program are copyright their respective copyright holders and are presented for entertainment, review, and educational purposes only. No ownership is implied. We make no money from this podcast and the contents are believed to be covered under fair use. If you like what you've heard on today's program, we'd appreciate it if you leave us an iTunes review Send us an email with your feedback, tell your friends, if you have any, or annoy your coworkers with our incoherent ramblings and silly voices. Thanks once again for listening to Radio Free Asgard.